Moncrief on News Talk. Time to see some stories from other parts of the world. Jonathan DeBurka Butler joins us once again. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you keeping? Not too bad. Denmark were going to go to first and they uh, have introduced, or have they, uh, is it about to be voted on, this uh, this ban on burning books? No, so the vote has passed. Um, so this is legislation uh, that was voted on last week. Um, and it's uh, legislation around the banning of burning of religious scriptures. Now, you might remember that during the summer, in Denmark and Sweden, there was a series of uh, Koran desecrations in the country. Um, it seemed to have been led by one or two people who were working across Sweden and Denmark, uh, one of them by the name of Salwan Mamika, who was in fact himself an Iraqi Christian um, who had had been, um, who was uh, resident in, in Sweden since 2021. I think he's going to be sent back now, though. Um, but anyway, the, the burning of these books, particularly in, in Denmark, um, sparked something of a, of a diplomatic uh, issue, shall we say, between the Danes and various different countries um, in the Islamic world. Uh, there was, of course, uh, protests in Tehran and Baghdad and various different places. And of course, the Danes saw this as being something that was a danger to their citizens, both at home and abroad. Right. So mm-hmm. they have decided. Uh, or they decided in August to draft some legislation. They put it to a vote there last week, and it passed by 94 votes to 77 votes. Um, So you will no longer be allowed to burn, soil, trample on, or cut recognized religious scriptures such as the Quran, the Bible, or the Torah. Uh, But it's only recognized religions that will qualify for this. So it doesn't include, for example, the uh, Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monsters, uh, Holy Gospel, uh, for example. That was the first one I was going to ask about, funnily enough. Yes, I, 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 but, I knew you were, I knew uh, you were very concerned but, about that. Uh, when, <laughs> when, but, and when, when they say, have they actually issued a list of, uh, of religious texts? Well, it'll be, it, it, I, I'm not sure if they've issued a list as such, but it will be religious scriptures of recognized religions in Denmark. So I suppose if you go to the list of recognized religions in Denmark, and then you'll you'll take it from there. Mm. Because, of course, some of them would have more than one holy book. I think Judaism has several, for example. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's what they're doing now. And those who are caught breaking the law will be punished with fines or up to two years in prison. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how this is policed. And, of course, there has been a little bit of opposition to it as well. Uh, the Danish People's Party and a party called the New Right have called for a referendum on the matter uh, as to whether they'll go down the legal route or test it, uh, you know, test it against the Constitution and that kind of thing. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I, I wouldn't think that this is the last of it, Sean. Mm. And given that there were similar events in Sweden, is Sweden considering doing anything similar? Great question. Uh, they have said specifically that they are not going to go as far as the Danes, though they are examining different ways of uh, of looking into it. Now, they had a major problem, of course, with their situations during the summer because, of course, they were trying to dro- uh, join NATO uh, and Turkey was blocking it. So the relationship with Turkey was bad enough. And then you had the Swedes uh, actually giving permission to people under freedom of speech laws to go and burn the Koran. And uh, it didn't go down particularly well uh, in, in Turkey. So, so um, yeah, they'll need to look into it, but I don't think they'll be able to go as far as the Danes have. Right. Uh, Texas, we're going to go to next. And uh, what is the situation as regards abortion in Texas first, Jonathan? Is, is it an absolute ban or, or limits or, or what's the situation there? 
So it, there is a, f f you could call it fairly absolute, right? So it's it's a case of um, if the life of the mother is threatened, then abortions are allowed to uh, proceed, okay? But um, the problem is at the moment that nobody knows uh, what the interpretation of that is, right? So the, the, the attorney general in this case, um, a man uh, by the name of Ken Paxton has basically said that there's existing standards to allow doctors to use reasonable medical judgment. But that is such a vague interpretation that doctors are too frightened to make a call on whether uh, they can go ahead with the procedure or not. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, okay. It, it's too vague. Uh, so <laughs> this, vague, is, this yeah. has been tested in the courts, though. Exactly. And that's what we're coming to in this particular story. So this involves a 30 year old or 31 year old mother of two from Dallas, a woman by the name of Kate Cox. She's currently or she was up until recently 20 weeks pregnant and her fetus was diagnosed with trisomy 18, which is a, which is a disorder that effectively results in miscarriage, stillbirth or the death of the baby within the first year of life. Now, and I should say in some cases, Life can go on for a bit longer, a good bit longer in some cases, but it is very, very rare, right? So she had taken the decision for herself that she wanted to go ahead and seek an abortion, but she couldn't, and her physicians told her that their hands were tied as long as the baby had a heartbeat because of the state abortion ban, okay? Now, they did say, the doctors did say, that this pregnancy, were she to continue it, posed a risk to her health, and potentially her ability to carry another child, right? And I'll come back to that in a minute. So it posed a risk to her health. So she went to a district court, and the district court there basically uh, gave her a temporary restraining order that allowed her to terminate her pregnancy. And crucially, it allowed for the protection of her doctor from civil and criminal penalties if uh, they went ahead with the procedure. Okay, so that was the first step. That was last Thursday. Now, straight away, the aforementioned Attorney General, Ken Paxton, jumped in and he sent a letter to three hospitals where the doctor had admitting privileges, right? And he basically threatened anybody involved in the procedure uh, with legal action, right? Uh, and then proceeded to take the case or to appeal the case or the judgment, sorry, that was handed down by this uh, district court judge to the state Supreme Court. Are you with me so far? Yes. Good. OK, on the morning, on Monday morning, yesterday morning, the, the state Supreme Court passed a judgment and they blocked the order and they said that they were going to uh, review the case and they deliberate on it later that day. In the meantime, Kate Cox's uh, lawyers issued a statement saying that she had left the state and had had an abortion in, in another state nearby. Late that afternoon, the Supreme Court uh, basically issued a ruling against Miss Cox saying that they weren't going to allow her to go ahead with the abortion in Texas. They said for two reasons, that they must respect the policy choice of state lawmakers. And secondly, they said that Mrs. Cox's daughter had not properly attested that her safety was threatened due to life-threatening physical condition. Now, you remember before mm. that the doctors did say that it posed a risk to her health. But the Supreme Court or the state Supreme Court in this case wasn't satisfied that that was enough because it wasn't a life threatening physical condition. And so therefore they weren't going to allow her to go ahead uh, with the abortion in the state. My word. Uh, so uh, um, 
So it, it, ultimately then it was a no, even though she went outside the state and had it done anyway. Yes, it was a no. And it, it, it begs the question, why did she go ahead and with, with the case in the first place when she could have gone outside of the state and, and done this quietly? Mm. Um, and I suppose whether you agree or you disagree with it, uh, it seems to have been a move on her part uh, to, you know, test uh, the uh, law in Texas. And, and it's, it's thrown up quite a debate, as you can imagine. Yeah, uh, and this, isn't dis- this kind of case isn't dissimilar to cases that uh, we had in this country not, uh, not too long ago. Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, was it clear where she had the abortion, did she say? No, we don't know that, or at least I, I haven't found that out, but I don't think that has been, uh, I don't think that has been made clear yet because I think there is actually legislation in Texas, uh, was brought in this year where people can actually sue someone who goes outside the state of Texas and has an abortion. Now, that in, there was a case earlier in March of this year where I think a husband sued her ex, or sorry, sued his ex-wife. Uh, and people who had helped her to get out of the state. So presumably, um, you know, the lawyers for Kate Cox are keeping their cards close to their chest, but you never know, it might it might come out uh, later on. Yeah, and it, is there any indication that the state might, uh, or as in Texas, might pursue her? Mm. At this point, no, but uh, you never know. There, there, there might be a way that they will, uh, that they will look into doing that. Um, it's certainly something that you feel anyway, that this particular attorney general might not let go. Now, whether he's within his rights to do so uh, is another question altogether. But I think we're going to see a lot of discussion and a lot of test cases around this. Mm, Indeed, yeah. Right. Uh, Nigeria, we're going to go to uh, next, where uh, 85 civilians uh, have been killed uh, in an airstrike. And it was a mistake. It was a mistake, would you believe? Now, this happened in the state of... Kaduna, which is in the north central part of the country, is a population of about six million people. And there has been an awful lot of, uh, as you know, um, banditry and gangs uh, and extremists and militants operating in this part of the world. So you, what you've got is a very nervous government and a very nervous army who are constantly monitoring the situation in this part of the world. And nervous armies sometimes make very, very poor decisions. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened in this case. Uh, It seems to have happened on Sunday evening uh, in a small village uh, where people were gathering for a religious festival. And this was misinterpreted by intelligence people in the air and on the ground as being similar to... They they saw patterns in the movement to the patterns of how militants move and, and, and... uh, and they decided that there was enough evidence there to hit this particular target with a bomb. Um, not just one, but two. So it appears that it, one bomb was dropped, and then a number of moments later, when people were coming back to see what had happened and maybe to recover bodies and those that were injured, that a second bomb was dropped uh, and killed even more people. So the result of it is 85 civilians were killed, mainly women and children and older people, um, 60, over 60 people have been admitted to hospital for treatment. Um, but, uh, you know, as you can imagine, the reaction to this has been outrage. Uh, the president, of course, who's relatively new in the job, that's Bola Tanubu, uh, has said, of course, there'll be a full investigation into this, but he called it a bombing mishap and said that people were mistakenly killed. Um, so his choice of language there is oh, a little bit isn't isn't the best to be honest. Yeah. Um, so the fallout from this will probably go on for quite some time again. 
Yeah. Uh, there has anything like this ever happened before? Sean, unfortunately, it happens quite regularly. Uh, I believe that over 300 people have been killed since 2017 in accidental strikes by Nigerian military. Um, so it's it's not uh, it's not uh, they're, they're not particularly uh, good at uh, targeting the right people, it would appear. Yeah. My word. Uh, right. Uh, Spain, we're going to go to next. And uh, the price of olive oil uh, is going through the roof. The, spe- the, the price of olive oil is indeed going through the roof in Spain, and that's down to the droughts that they've been having in that part of the world in 2022 and 2023. Now, uh, I wonder, did you know that Spain is the world's biggest olive oil producer? I did not know um, that. No, I would have assumed yeah, it was Italy. I always thought it was yeah. the Italians, but there you go. The Italians would probably argue that theirs is better. But anyway, there's nothing wrong with Spanish olive oil. Um, they cover about 70% of European Union consumption and about 45% of the world. Uh, but because of these droughts that have been happening, they haven't been able to produce as much. Uh, and so the price of olive oil is going up, particularly in Spain, where a one litre bottle of extra virgin oil will cost you about nine euros, even in the low budget supermarkets there. Now, we haven't been affected yet in the UK and Ireland, uh, but we probably will be later when the, the, the stocks that are relevant to this price rise uh, or to the reduction in, in output um, arrive on our shelves. So watch out for that. Price hikes in olive oil. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think this is kind of, the, and I think I've seen stories like this before. It's kind of, it's becoming more regular that the, the, the price of olive oil goes kind of up and down uh, in that way. Uh, right. France, we're going to go to you next, just down the road, relatively speaking. And uh, two people have been arrested uh, as part of this bed bug scam. Yeah, you, so you remember during the Rugby World Cup, there was an awful lot of talk about bed bugs. Bed mm. bugs being sighted on the metro and in hotels, obviously, high speed trains, and there was even some in Charles de Gaulle Airport. Um, now, apparently, uh, there wasn't as much of a crisis as was, you know, as, as people made their out, made it out to be. Um, but that didn't stop these two men making the most of, uh, of a good crisis. And uh, these are two fraudsters who have been arrested in France. Uh, they were operating in, in and around Strasbourg, I believe. Um, and authorities said that 48 people had been scammed altogether. And many of them, of course, were older people um, who were afraid of their lives of bedbugs and trusted these two men who came along and said there had been an infestation in the area they were living and they would come in and at, at, uh, at a very good price would get rid of their bed bugs, which of course they weren't able to do because there weren't bed bugs there in the first place. Hmm. And they charged them anywhere between 300 euros and 2,100 euros uh, for the treatment to remove these bed bugs. Now, eventually there was several complaints made against them. Nine formal complaints were, were made against them for suspected fraud. Uh, they were placed under surveillance and they were arrested recently as they left a home of a victim in Strasbourg. So uh, hopefully they'll get a little bit of time in jail and that those uh, beds in their cell will be full of bed bugs uh, <laughs> and so they'll know all about it. Uh, well, they'll know how to get rid of them. Uh, right, Indeed. so what, sh- what should we uh, look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, a couple of things to look out for. Friday, December the 15th, um, John Venables, um, mm. the um, notorious um, criminal who killed the poor toddler, Jamie Bulger, 
um, has a parole decision coming up. So you can probably expect a bit of coverage around that, certainly in the UK. And then on Sunday, uh, there's Chile holding a referendum on a new constitution there. And then Serbia is holding a snap election uh, in par- snap parliamentary elections as well, uh, which should be interesting uh, to see what goes on there. Okay, just before Christmas, I'm sure. Uh, it's a popular decision in, in Serbia. Uh, John, thanks a million <laughs> as ever. Jonathan de Berk about there. Yeah. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.